0: This is a Sunday message from New Community Church in London. To discover more about New Community, visit newcom.church Today, I wanted to start um, by reading a verse, actually, that's not uh, Romans 12, but Romans 1, verse 7. It says this, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. To all those in Sidcup who are called by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are carrying on our series in Romans 12 today, um, but I wanted us to look back to chapter one because it sets the scene for everything that we're going to uh, talk about. Firstly, we need to know that we are loved by Christ. And not just Jesus. Often we think, oh, I'm loved by Jesus, but I'm not sure about the Father. Maybe he's still angry with me. We're loved by the Father. And Paul wants us to know that. He wants the readers of this book to know that you are loved by God the Father, by Christ the Son, and that the Holy Spirit loves to dwell in you as his child. It's an ongoing love. It's not a love that just kind of gets you across the line so you can make it into heaven. It's a love that never leaves you. It's a love that will never leave you as you are. We all know when we look inside of us the things that aren't quite right, but we have to know that when God looks on us, he sees Christ in his perfection. It's not because he's blind to the things that, that are still uh, awry in us, but he sees you and he says, you're my child and I love you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna refine you. I'm gonna make you more and more like my son every day, but you need to know that you're loved as I work that process out in your life. So... Um, we're looking at Romans 12 verses 13 to 16 and let's, let's read it now, it should come up on the, on the screen. It says this, Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Now, there's a temptation when we read kind of lists of instructions in the Bible to feel like it's a bit demanding. Maybe we read it and we feel a little bit condemned. And it's never because the Bible is condemning us. Paul is writing to Christians, he's writing to people who are loved by God, who um, who sees his children as perfect. But sometimes we condemn ourselves or sometimes we listen to a voice that just isn't God's. Sometimes we hear a voice saying, "Mm, didn't do that very well, did you? You're reading these verses and you avoided doing that last week. And ooh, do you remember when you, yeah, you had an opportunity, but you skipped that because it was easier not to serve that person. Sometimes we hear that voice and I have to ask you this morning, is that a voice that says grace and peace to you? Does it sound like the never-ending love of the Father? No, it sounds like the enemy and the enemy slips in and he tries to pull us down. And he tries to rob us of all of the joy and all of the grace that Jesus has given us. And he tries to tell us that serving one another is a burden and a task and it's hard. And we start to forget that God really loves us and he's really put us in a family that are called to love one another. So when we come to look at this this morning, they are instructions and they are commands, but they're not heavy burdens for us to bear they're not laws that we have to follow to earn our righteousness. They're not things that we have to try and achieve like we're earning little brownie badges. We, we may think of the law, we may think of legalism. We may even start comparing ourselves when we go through this and think, oh, well, I'm not very good at that, and that person's much better than me at that, but oh, I'm a li- I've got the edge on them on that one. And suddenly, instead of becoming a family, it becomes some sort of chart where we compare ourselves. And again, we lose that sense that we are loved. We're qualified by Jesus alone. And these are things that he tries to to birth in us. But it's all all by his spirit. And it's a joy when we see these things coming up. We celebrate with one another when we see ourselves maturing into people that look more and more like Jesus. um, Paul, earlier on in Romans, um, speaks about the law. And he said in Romans 5, verse 20, the law only brought death. And then he goes on in chapter seven to speak about how we're now in a new relationship, that we're married to Jesus and that we've died to the law and that everything that we now have is by grace alone. It's all because Jesus has given it to us as a free gift. It's not an achievement of ours and even when we do become more like him, that's not our achievement, that's the Holy Spirit working in us to make us more like him. And so these commands in verses 13 to 16 are a gift to us. They're not a burden. They're a light to us to show us how we can live in, in, in a life that actually is such a blessing. When we learn to serve because Jesus has opened our eyes, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's so much better than when we used to live for ourselves. So let's uh, dig into them. Let me just pray. Lord, we, we thank you that you give us your word. And we thank you that it's not a dead word. And we thank you that it's not a burden. We thank you that your spirit is here with us, Lord Jesus, and that you've been reminding us of your faithfulness to us this morning, Lord. You've been reminding us of the causes of joy we have to worship you, Lord, and we pray um, that as we look at your word, Lord, our hearts would leap for joy because we see in your word the person that you are and the person that you are creating us to be. Amen. So in this passage, I kind of sketched out six different commands, but then I broke it down into two sections. And the first verse, really, um, is about love. And then 14 to 16, um, speaking out a fruit of love, um, humility. Humility only comes when we look at Jesus and when we look at his people and we realise that we have been put here to serve other people, when we realise that we have been put here to be um, models of our servant king. So we're going to look at verse 13 uh, first for a little while, and it's going to be a longer point, and then we just kind of breeze through 14 to 16 afterwards. Um, so if we go back to um, verse 9, if you've got your Bibles open, we see that this section starts with a command to love. Let your love be genuine, Paul says. And it's a command that we have to take seriously. We can't think, oh, well, you know, there's, there's a verse, I'll move on. This is a call to us. Be genuine in your love. Don't just pretend on a Sunday or a community or who really love these people. God made us because he loved us. Christ came and died for us because he loved us. The Holy Spirit lives in us because he loves us. And we come to church because we love one another and because we love our God. Verse 12, uh, sorry, chapter 12, verse one, we're meant to be living sacrifices. And verse 13 that we're looking at now caps this little section on love. And... um, it starts off talking about sharing, and I, I don't know about you, but um, I'm not always brilliant at sharing. I'm not the worst, uh, but I'm, I'm not great, and, and when, we look at, um, when we look at toddlers, really, we realise that um, struggling to share is not a unique problem to any one of us. <laughs> It was, it was in us from the beginning, and uh, it's just funny, isn't it? A toddler's playing with a, a little toy, and then they move on to something else, and they've forgotten about it. But then another kid comes along, picks it up, and suddenly... Um, peace has been disturbed. And you're like, what's wrong with you? You weren't even using it. But they don't want to share it. No, that's mine. That's mine. I don't want to share that with you. But you weren't using it. Like, we can't comprehend. Even as we grow up, and we're all older than toddlers now, but we're not always that much more mature. I turned 30 on Friday, and I still feel like I'm 12. Um, and our hearts take a long time to mature with our aching and creaking bodies. Um, And so we find in us, still there is this reluctance to share. For mostly for me, it comes out when I'm hungry and we've gone to lunch, me and Emily, and Emily's like, oh, can I have some of your food? I'm like, no, we have bought two meals. You have yours and I have mine. Why do you want mine? And um, and that's when I really and I blame it on low blood sugar. You know, I'm only unholy when I'm hungry. But um, it comes out, and I'm like, I can't hide from that. Sir, you are a bad person. You don't want to share your lunch with your only wife. And um, but at other times, it's still in there. It may not be so obvious, but it's still in there. And sometimes you hear about maybe brothers and sisters, other Christians that are in financial need. And often my first my first response is yes, of course I will. I will give my money to them. That's what I do as a Christian. And uh, I forget about it, obviously. And uh, then a couple of days later, I look at my bank account, and I think, well, what do we need for the next year or so? How, can, how much can we give generously, of course? And uh, I do that little exercise. And then a week or so goes by, and I think, well, I haven't, I haven't given any money. And then a month or so goes by, and I realise that reluctance to share was there. I keep telling myself, I'm going to give, I'm going to give, but underneath that reluctance to share won the battle. Because I, if I wanted to, if I wanted to bless, I wouldn't have hesitated three months before I was, like, oh, I still haven't done that. Because, and it may disguise itself as forgetfulness or good intentions, but there is a reluctance there to share what I have with the people around me. Paul says, share, contribute to the needs of the saints. But he goes on, he fleshes out, he gives context to this sharing thing he's talking about. He says, show hospitality. See, this isn't a distance-serving course. This isn't an opportunity to outsource our good works through a standing order to some lovely organisation that will do all of our good works for us. This is a family that we're bought into. This is an encouragement to seek to get to know our family at the deepest level, at the level of their needs. Paul colours in what a life of sharing looks like. It doesn't just look like bringing items to a food bank, though that's a wonderful thing to do. It doesn't just look like dropping off anonymous envelopes of cash while no one's looking through people's letterboxes. It looks like forging deep and vulnerable relationships by building family, by building community, by showing hospitality not just once a year so we can tick it off the, off the list, but every week and every day. You see, when we're in family, it's much harder to forget the appeal. I can't wait for three months. They'll be like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. When I see the person every week, because they're in my life, and slowly but surely, they start to invade my affections. You see, when you get to know someone, especially when they're a Christian, you can't help but realise there is something joining you two that is stronger than anything else you have with other people. And it's suddenly not so hard to give them your time, or to give them some money, or to help them out with something... Because you love them. One day I will realise that sharing my lunch with my wife is not so hard. <laughs> but until that day I will preach about it. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's the reality of being family. When we let each other in we realise that there is something there that w- we just wish we had sooner but some of us sometimes we still, well, all of us sometimes actually still ask why. Why do they deserve my time or my money or my efforts? Why do they deserve my affection? And sometimes, I know I fall into this trap, when someone's talking uh, in a a sermon, I don't know, they give their appeal or they give a challenge, and uh, I go home and I talk about it with Emily, and she's like, oh, what did you think? I was like, yeah, it was good, yeah, but I didn't feel my heart stirred. And she's like, oh, okay. And then we're like, yes, and because I didn't feel the Holy Spirit really impressed that on me, I think I have a free pass to ignore what he said. And it's, it's amazing, it's a great charismatic excuse. We're like, well, God didn't speak to me directly today, he just told me stuff. And uh, we hear truth preached and we think, mm, unless he like really digs it in, I'm going to say that wasn't for me, that's not my burden to carry. Sometimes we don't need extra confirmation because he's given us his word. And loving one another is the bread and butter of being a Christian. So we can't allow that excuse in our life when Christ says, love that person. Even if you just read it in your quiet time in the morning, you don't need the Holy Spirit to tell you 10 more times during the day to love that person because that is what it means to be a Christian. To love your neighbour as yourself, to contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now, that doesn't mean it's easy. It's very difficult. Have you met some of the people in this church? It's very difficult to love. Have you met me? It's awful. And, um, you know, I grow on you. Um, my best friends at university, they were like, yeah, it took three months to become friends with Cyril. It was just so interesting. And, um, but again, there's grace here, isn't there? We meet people and we, we're all a bit odd, we're all a bit weird, we've got sharp edges, but we keep talking to each other because Jesus loves each, us. And you think, well, Jesus loved me and I know everything about me. And he knows... He still went to the cross for me. So I'm going to talk to these people and I'm going to seek to love them. Why do we need to? Because Jesus has showed us that example. So you see, this is what Jesus has bought us for. He, he purchased us by his blood to free us from our selfishness, to free us from our me, me, me-ness. And it's amazing when we start seeing fruit in our life, we're like, oh, I am, a, I am a slightly different person and I look slightly more like what Jesus wanted me to do, to be before I became ruined by sin. And we start finding that this life of sacrificial love is actually a life of joy and contentment. That giving away is like receiving, because we know this is how God made us. One final thing before we move on to verses 14 to 16. Paul here is speaking specifically about sharing with the saints. Now, if you don't know who they are, they're not little stone pedestals outside churches. They're everyone in this room. If you're a Christian, you're a saint. That's what Jesus calls us. He says, you're a saint, because you're covered by my blood and you're perfect in my sight. Why is it that Paul's saying specifically about the saints, share everything you have, give to those people in need? Well, it's what Jesus said. Jesus says in John 13, it's by your love for one another that people will know that you are my disciples. I was at community on uh, Wednesday and Ethan Fernandez was leading our community. I was talking to him last night when he was around and he said, um, because I told him I was going to reference him in this talk, and he was like, oh yeah, no, I looked at the notes and I decided to go off piste. Um, so he, one of the things he got us to do was to talk in little group, break in in groups, and, and talk about how we can um, seek to serve one another. Sorry, seek to serve ourselves um, in like building up a relationship with God, and then how can we as a community seek to serve those around us? So those non-Christians around us that God's put um, in our roads. And um, we all brainstormed. Actually, my group didn't. We were terrible. We just talked to each other. Because we realised we didn't really know each other. We are like, well, we'll just talk. And it was great. I'm glad we didn't do what Ethan told us to do. Because we got to know each other in a much better way than we ever did before. Anyway, uh, when we came to the feeding back, the people that actually did the work um, fed back and we were all blessed. Um, and one of the things that came through was... <laughs> I shared nothing. And one, of I, one of the things that came through was um, that actually we needed... To know each other before we could start blessing those around us. Because we weren't the community, we weren't the family that we knew we should be. And one of the things that people were talking about was that we need to be able to start being vulnerable with one another, actually sharing the needs that we have. Uh, Because it's very difficult for us as kind of middle classy people to to say, oh, actually, I, I need help with this, or I don't have enough money for this, or I'm just really struggling with this, because our life is built on, well, maybe not ours, but the, the, the world we live in is built on a life that says everything's fine, everything's perfect, look how shiny my car is, and, and we can never show the inner workings of our lives, because that's, that's the greatest sin, you, know, you can't admit that you're struggling with life, that's terrible, and actually in community we realised that there was a reticence to open ourselves up to one another, because it was so difficult. It was so vulnerable to say, actually, now this is what we need. This is what I need. And we thought, we need to build these deep foundations so that when we start inviting people in, which, you know, in like two weeks' time, you just need to do these things side by side. You don't wait till you're perfect to start telling people about Jesus. But when we start inviting people in, we know that we're inviting them into a family that genuinely loves each other because we've been able to break down those walls And we've known the love that's come from these people around us. And you see, that's that's when neighbours will be like, oh, how can you share this kind of, how can you be so vulnerable with these people and then still accept you? That's when people start seeing that there's something different about Christianity because there's no holds barred. There's nothing that we hide from each other. We don't pretend to be better than we are because everything we are is in Christ. So why do we do these this first couple of commands in verse 13 was because it forges that witness that people will be drawn to and it's going to be painful and it's going to be costfully but it's going to be wonderful. Better than anything we could keep to ourselves is this community that God gives us. It's what Christ did for us. He saw our need and he shared with us everything that he had so that we would never be alone. And so that we would never be in need again, not only because we know we're going to heaven, but because we know we have people beside us every day that live in our vicinity, that can draw close to us when we're struggling. Okay, so that's the, that's the first point out of the way. And these next couple of verses I'm lumping together because they move into a slightly different theme. Verses 9 to 13 contained a lot of its practical instruction on how we love each other, how we show devotion and, and honour. But these next couple of verses really speak about our hearts and they speak about our humility. It says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. That means, you know, like proud or stuck up, snobby. But associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And uh, this is where it was difficult for me to, to write, because uh, when we read the Bible, it penetrates into our hearts, and it shows us what's going on there. And you may think, well, it doesn't really uh, mention humility anywhere this at all. Um, but as we peel back what's needed for us to do these things, we recognize what is fundamentally needed is a humble heart. It's impossible without putting to death our selfish desires to do any of these things. It's impossible to do any of these things without being moulded by the Holy Spirit as we seek to imitate the radical humility that Jesus showed. Now, if you look to the left and the right, and behind and in front, you'll see the guinea pigs that we'll be using for the next 60 years. Um, These are the people that you're going to test your character on. And these are the people that are going to test their character on you. And you're going to struggle at times because their character will not match Jesus's. And after week after week and month after month and year after year of getting to know these people, not just on a Sunday, not just over a cup of tea, but over life and over meals, we will start to see these things break through in our lives. And we've got to be gracious to one another because it will take that long. And we will hurt one another because that's just what we do, isn't it? But we trust them because Christ has brought them. And we trust them because they've shown that radical love when we've been vulnerable with them. They've shown that they do love us. And, and obviously someone has to take the step, the first step. But that's what God has brought us into, a family that we can trust. So these attitudes will be forged over years and will be called out on our flaws But those relationships will survive and they will grow and they will deepen as we look to Jesus. You see, it's only a humble heart that can bless the one that persecutes you. Instead of us seeking vengeance or retribution or justice, we seek their good and their blessing. We seek for God's love to shine into their lives. It's only a humble heart that can rejoice when others are doing well, when you don't have the things in your life that you want to do well. It's only a humble heart that can weep with someone instead of pointing out why they deserve what they got. It's only a humble heart that can rise above that pettiness that wiggles its way into every single relationship that we have with people. And it's only a humble heart that can guard against the haughty thoughts, the snobbery, the conceitedness. And You may be thinking, all right, so I need to be humble as well as loving. Brilliant, just load it up, Cyril. Try harder. Make this burden heavier. But John Piper says this about humility, without faith in Christ there is no humility among men but only pride and it's an extraordinary statement that a lot of people might take offence at but it's because as we consider Christ we see all of these things are lived out perfectly and we're never trying to outdo someone else we're never trying to prove ourselves as better than someone else we're trying to look at him and say God, I am so far below you and yet you have raised me up. You are so humble in the way you love me, and I hurt you time after time, but you stay consistent and faithful. These things are only born by the power of the Spirit in our lives. We don't grill our teeth and try harder. We say, Lord, I'm sorry again. Please make me more like you. And it does take discipline, it does take conscious effort, but it doesn't ride on the strength of our effort. It rides on the grace of our God. So how do we bless those who persecute us instead of cursing them? Well, first off, I would just do a mental tally. don't need hands up. Uh, who here is being persecuted? Anyone want to put themselves in that camp? Maybe not. Persecution is a bit of a strong word, isn't it? We think, oh, I'm not really being persecuted. But who here has suffered at the hands of someone else in this last week or this last two weeks? We all know when we've been hurt by someone. Maybe you were hurt, maybe you were betrayed, maybe you were picked on. Maybe it was someone that you didn't know or maybe it was someone that you knew very well and the cut went deep. Maybe it was someone that you thought genuinely loved and cared for you and then they did something and you thought, why would you do that? But here you are and you've been wounded. What are we meant to do? How are we meant to heal from that? Maybe vengeance will bring healing. It won't. It won't solve the issue. In fact, vengeance will probably consume us and rob us of any joy that we had left. We're to bless them. We're to pray for them. We're to seek God's hand on their lives. We're to forgive them. That's the only thing that keeps our hearts soft before God and that's the only thing that keeps joy alive in us. They're they're, they're no worse than you are. You may think, oh, I've never done that. But the reason they did it is the same reason that you do everything else wrong in your life. Because we're broken people. They're not a different breed. They're the same lost breed that Jesus came to save. And our call is to love them. Our call is to allow the Holy Spirit to take our hurt and pain and we can vent as much as we can to God. That's why he's there. He can listen. He can hold it. He can bear our hurt and pain and then he can give us peace and he can give us love to go to those that have sinned against us. And we think, why? You think, because I sinned so badly against my God. And when I was dead in that sin, he came to me and he said, Cyril, stand up, walk. I'm gonna make something new out of you because I love you. Even though you've done so much against me, I love you. It's not easy and it doesn't come naturally, but it's wonderful that that is the fruit that God puts in our lives. So moving on, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. I'm, uh, I'm not a very exuberant person. I can be an idiot sometimes, but I'm not very good at showing excitement or joy. People say, are you excited for your baby? I'm like, yes, I am. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I'm sure when it turns up I'll be very excited, but right now I've got nothing. Um, and so me rejoicing with someone might be a warm smile and a handshake, and then I'll move on and carry on being English. Uh, but you might have noticed I'm much better at crying than I am rejoicing. And um, when I look at this verses, I, I actually have, I find it much easier to have compassion on someone than I do to rejoice with them when they're doing well. Rejoicing, I find, is hard with someone. Um, it's hard when they've got something you want and, and maybe they've got something that you don't think they deserve. And, uh, you know, that selfishness just comes up in our heart, doesn't it? And uh, maybe it's... Um, I don't know, maybe it's siblings, maybe it's people at work, I don't know what your life situation is, but there are times where we think, why did you get that? And how am I meant to rejoice with you? Because really, I don't think you should deserve that, or I think, you know, it was a bit of a luck of the draw. And there are so many reasons that come up in our hearts to stop us rejoicing with these people. You want what's rightfully yours, that me, me, me comes up again. But Jesus says, it's much better to be full of joy than to be a bitter old prune. He doesn't actually say that last bit. That was... But you know, that's what he's saying. He's saying, be full of joy, because that brings you life. Don't be bitter. Don't let that grow in you. Don't become sour. Rejoice with these people. Show them that you love them. With people in this church, with Christians, we, why would we struggle to withdraw, rejoice with someone that we genuinely love? If we love them, then their happiness becomes our happiness, even if our life is tough. And it's the same with, with, with weeping. When we know people and we love people and we see them hurt, it's easy to weep with them. And we need wisdom to how long we we do that before, challenging them to come out and rejoice in what God's given them. But but Jesus looks at us and he sees the suffering and you know Jesus wept when he saw suffering in this world because he loves us, because he made us. And so we're called to love one another and and so we, we laugh when others are laughing and we cry with others when they're hurting. We show them the love of Christ. And again, where does that happen? Not on, it'd be weird after when we're queuing up for tea we coffee, just have loads of tears and then loads of laughing and then loads of tears again. That's not where it plays out, is it? It plays out in the day-to-day of life when we build these bridges with one another. And so lastly, and I found this very challenging, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And i finish with this and Adrian and the band are going to come up and we're going to sing to respond. Um, And before I say this, this is not a condemnation. We need to know we're loved by Christ, we're perfect in his sight, but he wants us to become more like him. My question to you is this, and don't tell anyone this is just for you and maybe pray about it Um, But who is it in this church family, in the family of Christ, that you look at and you think, I'll never be friends with them. And it's not because you don't like them. It's just because we're too different. They're not quite me. Who are those that in some small way, sometimes we consider to be lowly, when our snobbery actually does come out and we don't realise it, I see it in myself far too much. Those little whiffs of pride, those little whiffs of haughtiness, and it's never a conscious thing. It's always that residual, that old man that has died, that's been put to death by Christ, but just the smell of that death comes through sometimes, and I realise actually the reason I'm not friends with that person is because somehow I think I'm above them. Somehow I think... I don't know if I'm going to be friends with them, you know, we're, just, we're just different people. And when you're at school, it's, it's easy because it's just whether you've got the right clothes, that's how people divide. Or maybe it's sports and that's how people divide. But when we're adults, sometimes it's education or sometimes it's background, or sometimes it's upbringing, or sometimes it's race, or sometimes it's intelligence, or sometimes it's class. There are so many reasons that the world gives us to divide. And we compare ourselves with one another, and we think, mm, but just, you know, I do not not like them, I'm not a bad person, but there's just something in us that says, yeah, but just stay away from them. Go with your own kind. Be comfortable with your own kind. When you're feeling bad, you can look down on the other people. None of us are immune from that. And they're never things we would say because you're not being malicious, you're not being bigoted, you're not a terrible person. You've just still got that old man in you sometimes that rears his head. They're the natural fault lines of sin that run through our hearts and they're the fault lines that the Holy Spirit shows to us and he doesn't condemn us, he just says, okay, now's the time that I want you to address this with my power and with my help and you're going to become more like Jesus in this moment. And it's amazing, it's amazing when Jesus shows us that because we know he loves us enough not to leave us where we are. He says, Cyril, I want you to become like me and so I've got to pull this wickedness out of you and I've got to replace it with my goodness and my grace and my love. So why don't we stand? We're going to finish by singing in Christ alone because everything I've talked about is found in Christ and everything we, we do is because of his work on the cross. And it's only as we look at him and we stare into his love, we realise his mercy, compassion, and that's when we become more like him. It's only as we realise more and more each day how much he really loves us. Because we see these things and we're Christ, you love me in spite of this. And he says, yes, of course I do. I've always loved you. And that's when we start leaving our bitterness and our pride and our selfishness at the door. It's only as we realise that we're truly hidden in him that we realise we don't have to work all of these things up. We don't have to conjure these in up. They're gifts of love that he gives to us. So Lord, as we sing, would you show us the glory of your love? Would you show us the depths of your power? Would you show us the vastness of your of the plans that you have for us, Lord. Plans we could never imagine because we can't see the person you're going to make us into. But you see our future and you hold our future and give us that heart, Lord, that longs to be like you.